Welcome to Positivity Strategist, a podcast that injects a good deal of optimism and possibility into your life at home and at work. Conversations with thought leaders and everyday people shine the light on what works and amplifies those everyday micro moments of positivity, irrespective of what else is going on. You'll be energized by lots of practical tips, inspiring you to live a truly satisfying and meaningful life. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode. I'm your host, Robin Stratton Burkessel, and thank you so much for listening in. Today, I'm delighted to be speaking with a fellow podcaster, and her name is Laura Coe, and that's spelt C-O-E. And her podcast is The Art of Authenticity. Now, if you don't have The Art of Authenticity on your favorite list of podcasts yet, then after today, I'm pretty sure you'll want to add it. Laura, welcome to Positivity Strategist. Hello, and thank you so much for having me. Well, you're so welcome. I've been looking forward to this, and I'm grateful that you can spend some time with me today. I've been looking forward to it, and uh, I love the topic you guys cover. So, um, yeah, I'm excited for a great conversation. Exactly. Ditto, ditto. So, in addition to being a podcaster, Laura is an author and a coach, and she states on her website that she's happy to say she's finally living a life that is perfect for her. Now, Laura, living a life that's perfect for you, what's that about? <laughs> Woo, that's a big question in there. Um, you know, I think that um, life sets us up to learn a lot of knowledge. We go to school, we, you know, learn about topics, subjects, we go out into the world, we become expert at things, we earn a living, we might even become very successful at what we do. But um, building a life that's perfect for you doesn't really mean that you've figured out how to get a lot of knowledge and uh, success in your life. It is about finding a life that is both um, interesting and uh, informed, but it also resonates deeply within you. And I think all of us kind of know what that means, right? When we have that sense that, I don't know, what we're doing um, really resonates. It um, it creates a calming effect where, you know, we find ourselves more curious, more interested, motivated, excited. It's not that sort of grind and drudgery. And um, yeah, so for me, it, you know, it took me a long time. I went, I went down the path of, you know, success, building a company, selling it to a Fortune 500. Um, and the whole time it just, it just felt like something was off, but because the external qualities of what I did being an entrepreneur and, and, um, you know, attaining a lot of success at a young age, I just pushed past it, past it. I was like, this is good enough. Um, it's probably me. I'm probably being picky or, you know, whatever I judged that feeling. Mm -hmm. And I found myself, you know, going deeper and deeper into this hole of, uh, more and more success and less and less uh, happiness in my life. And so now I have a life that, uh, it really resonates. It's really what I want to be doing. Um, but I really want to say Robin, that it doesn't mean that you wake up every day and every single thing you do is nothing but joy and fun. I mean, there's also, it's work, you know, there's a lot of things that are difficult, but it's, uh, it's aligned with, you know, my deeper self. 
Yeah, that's so beautiful, Laura. And um, it, it's often it's a process of emergence, isn't it? So, you know, what you were describing about your earlier life and the success that you were having, you get caught up in the you get caught up in that process, right? And um, and that just takes you away. And then someday you wake up and you think, well, what's it all about? You know, where's the meaning in my life? This is all great. I've got all these external trappings, but there is something else that I'm yearning for that I'm seeking. Um, you say, Laura, in your, um, in your writings, and I'm going to come to your um, beautiful book in a moment, but you're saying if people can remove the issues that get in the way of their authentic voice, their truth, they can return to building a life they love. And, you know, you responded to that question that I put to you, which is all about this. But I, I do have another question around that. So we hear about authenticity, we hear about finding our authentic voice, how might I know that? How might I recognize that? How might I tune into that authentic voice? Yeah, so those comments are kind of one in the same, right? So the issues that get in the way of our authentic voice are truth, um, being able to speak our truth, um, mainly are challenged because we don't know the difference for many of us between uh, our truth and what we have been told, what, what mm -hmm. culture, society, family, parents, whatever it is, and not to cause you harm, but what they have told you in your life is your truth. <laughs> and so, you know, a young child might have a deep interest in a topic, but the parent feels that a different direction makes more sense. And over time, they've said enough times that the child forgets about that original interest or the thing that excites them. Mm -hmm. And so, the issues that get in the way are the, the thoughts in our mind, the way that we've organized um, how we see the various things in our life, the way we convince ourselves into um, this makes sense. I should do this. Other people will approve. Um, if I don't, who passes this opportunity? Like we say all these funny little things, mm -hmm. but we don't ask ourselves the biggest question. How do I feel when I show up? What is it? uh, look like my days. Does that match what I want for my life? And the, ch the challenge there is it's, it's like a muscle. If you don't use it, it atrophies. Mm. So kids, um, you know, they come out, we all started this way. You start with this massive muscle, right? Almost too big. <laughs> you ask a kid what they want and they're screaming from the top of, do you want to go on a Ferris wheel? Yes. You know, they're so <laughs> excited They're They have no problem accessing that truth. And likewise, if they don't want it, they will say no instantaneously. Mm -hmm. But as adults, we, we overanalyze because I mean, right kids it's 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 overly simplified of course uh life isn't just eating cookies um and and you know playing all day but at some point the the pendulum swung the other direction too far for many of us and we find ourselves incapable of having that joyous yes that mm. the kids experience and that clear no and so you know when you start to ask yourself what do i want to do um you know, I would really suggest going to the, to the micro things. What, what do you really feel about your day today? Do you need to take a break for 20 minutes? Um, have you had any exercise? Can you even answer these truths within yourself anymore and be really clear what's a yes and what's a no and feel that in your body in the same way that 
Mm-hmm. You might have as a kid with that big uplift towards the thing you want and clarity about what you don't. And so that's to answer your question, right? Like the issues that get in the way, the voices in our head, the way we speak to ourselves, the way we interpret the world, it slowly erodes our ability to connect to that truth and the muscle gets weaker and weaker and then it's hard to locate and find. And so it's a matter of like practicing with like, you know, one pound weights again, just Mm -hmm. (laughs) starting slow and, and building up. And then over time you can start to, um, to find it really quickly again. Mm, Yeah. So, um, interesting, uh, again, as I've been thinking about our conversation, um, I've been thinking about what's the right verb to use with authenticity. I mean, is it find our authenticity or connect to, reconnect to, be with? Um, and so, you know, yeah. I've just been mulling over this and, um, and it's just been a really interesting thing for me to do. Um, I've enjoyed this just in, you know, with the thought of preparing for our conversation where that all fits and you you kind of go into that very well and you have a sense of you have a strong philosophical lens to your practice so maybe you'd like to talk about where that came from and if you want and I'd love you to tell me which verb you use to to kind of be with that authenticity or whatever how do you do that what do you want how do you describe it yeah, I think um, I think it's both of what the things that you said. <clears throat> I think we have to um, to locate it again for many of us. For some of us, we're still we're still connected, so you wouldn't necessarily need to find it. For others of us who have not practiced um, speaking our truth in a long time, living authentically, and by authentically, right, I really mean you know, that you're in alignment with your deepest truth, that you know the difference. Um, and so, for some of us it's, it's a matter of finding it, uh, locating it. And the way you locate it is when you make decisions, really small decisions, you check in how that actually feels. And you notice the thoughts in your head. Are you convincing yourself into this or are you doing it because you truly want to, can you do anything anymore that you truly want to without judging it, without analyzing it, Mm. without questioning it, without wondering what other people will think. Um, and if you can't do that, that's a sign that you've probably really disconnected and you need to find it. If you are able to do it on, on micro levels, then it's, um, building that muscle connecting over and over and over, mm-hmm. which requires like a pause, right? So things are happening in your life and you're, you know, the world's moving so fast. Pause. Do I really want this? Do I, what do I think? Um, can I get back to the person in five minutes, 20 minutes, an hour? Uh, a good friend of mine was just, um, looking at a new job opportunity and and two top universities were were coming, you know, with great offers. She said, I need 10 days. Right. And it's mm-hmm. like, she's a very authentic person because she was able to take that space, uh, tune into, you know, her truth and make a decision based on that, not based on the caliber of the universities and what it meant to be at one versus the other. Right. Mm-hmm. Those things matter, but then you have to connect to yourself as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's yeah. almost like, um, um, I don't know, in order to, to be authentic or to find it or to connect to it in the ways that you've, you know, you've described, it's almost like you have to do a little bit of analysis. You do have to do some self-evaluation. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, it just, um, when you're going to the gym and you're working out, when you lift a, a weight that's too heavy, our bodies will, you know, th- they just won't work anymore, right? Like you, you, you bend down and 
I don't know, I'm a woman, five, I've four, been there, like, done that. <laughs> yeah. Like if I try to pick up a 300 pound weight, I just can't. Right. Um, unfortunately with our minds, we are able to bring in so much information that is not helpful. And it is like the 300 pound weight that just mm. comes in and weighs you right down. But the good news is that you have this really, really intelligent system that can help you navigate. You feel heavy, you feel weighed down. It gives you stress. Um, Fear is a funny one because even when you feel fearful of something, it doesn't mean that it's wrong. You might just be nervous about it. Um, but in general, it's, 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 there's this entire system, but you have to pause, take the time, pay attention. And it's so worth it, right? It's like after a little bit of time getting used to it, it can happen so quickly. And then you build a life that you truly feel was meant for you. And, and there's just really nothing better than that. And you had asked about the philosophy. Um, I was a philosophy undergrad and graduate student, and this was really my, my life's passion. I wanted to be a teacher. Um, once I went to grad school, I realized like academics wasn't for me, but, um, dating myself, I'm, I'm 46. There was no internet. There wasn't a lot of other avenues for somebody with that degree. And so I just kept it as a passion on the side. I became a yoga teacher and, um, that interest, <clears throat> that passion, you know, that always stayed there. And again, that's really such a big sign, right? Most of our lives, it's mm -hmm. like the thing we want to do, it's sitting right there, but we're just, um, it's almost like it's too close to us. We can't see it because it's, um, something that comes to us so easily. Um, it feels so good to do. And I think that flies in the face of how most of us think about our lives that we think there should be, you know, it's hard and it's a grind and you're working and mm. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't resonate when we think about, you know, um, building a life, but, but that's what, um, that's how I came into this topic. And as I built up my company, I started thinking more and more and more about what the ancients had said, you know, what is a life from Aristotle to Plato to, uh, I got into Eastern philosophy because of yoga. Um, you know, all the way through to the, the existential philosophers, what does it mean to build a life that's meaningful to you? And it's like, when you read these works long enough, as I have, there's sort of be underneath the surface of all of them, this singular truth that you have to, in some way <clears throat> be aligned with your deeper self and not, thinking so hard about what's going on in the world around you. Mm -hmm. And I think that was kind of the word authentic has been so overused. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's like my Instagram posts are so authentically me. And, you know, it's like, that's not what we mean. We really mean <laughs> <laughs> like finding that, mm -hmm. that, um, that, that, that truth, that self mm. where, you know, in your heart, this is the right thing and having the courage to follow it. Mm. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that, um, you know, the term authenticity has perhaps been hijacked and, um, you know, people say it, but really are, you know, and again, I'm not trying to judge here, but, um, it takes a lot of work. Um, mm -hmm. to tap into that really deep inner self. And then there's a congruency between the inner and the outer. Um, so um, in the work that I do, Laura, it's really focusing on through the lens of being the very best of who you are. And I have a number of, you know, methodologies and practices and sciences and theories that help me do that work to help others in the world. And so I'm interested to to talk to you a little bit about is there a distinction between being 
your very best self and being your authentic self? Mm, that's How- such a great question. Yeah, I, I actually think there is. Um, maybe it depends on how one defines best self. Um, when I think of best self, I think there's pressure to be happier or mm-hmm. in a good mood or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so depending on how you mean that, I, I, I guess the big thing for me is that, um, your best self, your authentic self can be interchangeable. If you mean it to be that this is the best that I have today. And some days it's not so good. Mm-hmm. And some days when right. it's not that good, I'm okay with that, right? Like I'm okay that I woke up and for some reason I'm just not in the best of moods and I'm okay with the fact that the weather isn't really, you know, mm-hmm. so hot and I'm mm-hmm. I'm just feeling tired and spent and I'm okay with the fact that I'm trying to work and I'm getting nothing done. Um and so if you can actually make peace with the imperfect days, the days when you know, this, the tank is at, at, at 2% and you're not trying to cram through it or judge it or be angry with yourself. Like you're very honest about what your best self means. Um, our best self, look, we all have those days where for some reason we're on fire, right? Like like you wake up, you're in the best mood, you're getting so much done. You're you're laughing and joking and everything's going well. Mm -hmm. That that's just your best self on a perfect day, right? Like that, I would love to have that every single day, but there's a lot of variation in our days. And so best self and authentic self to me is just really um, being honest about where you are. Yeah. And as you were speaking, Laura, what came up for me is about being whole. So it's this principle of wholeness. And so when you are whole, for me, what happens is exactly um, or similar to what you were describing is that you're honoring those times when you are you might be feeling a little depleted or you might not have the energy that you would like to have. But that's self-acceptance and that's being whole and mm-hmm. um, it's, well, this I'm being real. This is how it is for me today. Circumstances are different and I can deal with that and tomorrow is going to be another day. So, yes. um, so that yes. notion of wholeness, and that's one of the principles of appreciative inquiry, that we bring our whole selves and when we can be tap into our whole selves, we are being the very best that we can in the moment. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, um, very lovely. Now you've alluded to, um, you've used a metaphor there about being weighed down. (laughs) So (laughs) that is a nice segue into the title of your book and the beautiful metaphor that you have there. And the book is called emotional obesity And you say that it's a philosophical guide to lighten your life. And I love that. Lighten your life. So I will please say a little bit about your book, you know, whatever you'd like to share about your book. And it's, I haven't read it all yet, Laura, but what I have read, um, I'm, I really love your writing and the message is awesome. So. Thank you. Please, please say some stuff about your lovely book. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, you know, I, I, I woke up, um, in my mid thirties at a high paying job. Our company had just sold to a fortune 500. I was part of a 27,000 person company. Um, you know, an executive, the whole thing. And I had just had a, you know, young child and I'm in a relationship for, for 15 years. I've got the chocolate Labrador. I bought myself this beautiful house. Everything looked amazing, right? 
Yet I personally was really probably in one of the worst places of my life. I was struggling emotionally. I was having panic attacks. I was just overwhelmed all the time. And it was like this really frustrating feeling something was off and I couldn't shake it no matter how hard I tried to make peace with what looked like such a great situation to have found myself in it at, at, you know, at 35, 36. Um, so I left my job in pursuit of literally, I don't know why, but I just something authentic. It, it was the word that came to me. It was the word that, um, really resonated and I wasn't a social media person. So it wasn't like that was, uh, all over the internet. And I was thinking about it. I just, I felt like there's something off. There's something that needs to, um, be more aligned. And I, I didn't have much more than that, but I felt like really arrogantly, you know, I'm not 22. I have resources. I sold a company. I think a lot of the things people might think, um, come on, Laura, it's not that hard. You have access to cash and you've built up skill sets. You can just find it quickly. And, and so I felt that way too. And I left my job in pursuit of some, you know, shift in my life. And it was, a disaster. <laughs> it was just like an unmitigated disaster. I was going forward into different, um, job opportunities because having sold a company, you know, a lot of people were interested in working with me. I had no process, no system, no ability to figure out what I wanted. And I was just literally flying around blind, uh, trying different things, almost taking over, Northwestern's integrated healthcare systems that had, uh, this woman had started a business out of. Um, I almost, um, started a, a business with a friend. I, I almost started a yoga studio. I thought, Oh, I like yoga. I'll try that. And it was just throwing things against the wall to see what would stick. And, um, I don't know. I woke up like two years later, completely depleted, really frustrated. You know, what's wrong with me that I can't get this worked out. And the book came out of that journey. Mm. Um, I went back to the philosophy and I started reading it again and I'm like, oh no, I have like all these layers of thoughts that are in my way. It's like emotional weight. Mm. <laughs> I was joking around with a friend. I'm like, I'm emotionally obese, you know? And they were mm. like, that's awesome. That's a great title. And she happened to work for Oprah and she's like, you, you got to keep that. So, um, <laughs> that, that title is, it's just a metaphor, but it's this idea that, you know, we layered up all sorts of ideas about how our life should be. And it layers around our authentic self. And at that point in my life, had my truth stood up, looked me in the face, screamed the right answer for me, I wouldn't have been able to really even tell the difference. And so, um, the book was my journey peeling back those layers. I really became like my own, you know, science lab. I, I would read these things and try them on myself. Uh, the four agreements, um, by Miguel Riaz. I mm -hmm. actually did each of the agreements over a month. I'd pick the next one. <laughs> Dude, that's I love it. Like, oh, mm -hmm. this stuff works, you know, and I would mm -hmm. like to read Pema and I would try all of her techniques on how to meditate and, and create compassion and I'd do that for two months. And each of these things were making these, you know, logarithmic shifts in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I would write about it and I would do it and the, and the book sort of became me and, and, you know, my journey in losing this emotional weight. And, and, um, yeah, as I, as I got to the end, I was like, wow, I feel, I feel lighter. I feel <laughs> happier. Like I feel freer. Like and really the stuff that people talked about it, it, it works. Mm. 
Yeah. So that's fantastic. And, um, I, a couple of thoughts came up as you were speaking. And, um, I'm reminded of a question one of my students asked me. I teach advanced applications of appreciative inquiry online through Champlain College. And it's part of a master's program up there. And so there are graduate students, they're, you know, working people. And with appreciative inquiry, we are looking at, um, you know, what's, what's the best in life, how we can bring strength-based approaches to human and organization development, how can we focus on the things that work, how can we really, really um, be of service to the world and ourselves and in our relationships. You know, a lot of the very big questions, how can we make businesses agents of positive change and do good in the world. Mm -hmm. So um, one of the students asked online, um, and then we also have, you know, like a a weekly, uh, um, every two weeks we have a a Zoom call, so we have face-to-face as well, which is fantastic. But the discussions online are really, really healthy. And so here's the question that she put to me, and I thought it was just really so insightful, and I want to put it to you, and it was, to be able to live this kind of life, with this, this kind of awareness and these insights, is it only for the privileged? And by that, you know, you know, and you know, if we think of Maslow, for example, if you are struggling, you know, at the bottom of the hierarchy where you're looking for shelter and food and how you educate your kids and you have no health care, do you have this opportunity or this privilege to, you know, take the time off that you had to find yourself and so on? So um, mm-hmm. I know it's mm-hmm. a weighted question, but I thought it was such a good question um, and it had me thinking a lot. I I agree with you. And here's um, here's the truth. I I think I've carried around a little bit of a you know, secretive shame point on this. Am I only writing to privileged people? And is this really something that, you know, somebody with uh, real challenges and paying the bills, et cetera, can um, institute in their life? And I actually think my own lens of, of saying that is coming from a place of privilege because I, I so I absolutely do not think that it is for only people with privilege. And here's why. Um, I think from that perspective, I was making the assumption, well, you have to have a certain amount of finances, et cetera, to, to live in a, um, uh, authentic self-actualized way. But that's so, when you look around, that's just not true. Mm-hmm. Um, artists, uh, wait, wait tables all the time trying to get their dreams to come true. I have a dear friend of mine who, you know, 10 years straight, he's been grinding away at his art and, um, he left a corporate job to do that. He and his wife are struggling in so many ways, but they make it work. Mm. And he said to me, it would be this, or I would, I would want to be suicidal, right? Like I, I can't trade the monetary successes that I could have in a business for what, drives me and keeps me alive. And so, yes, I think it's hard. I think it adds more stress. I think it requires a ton more courage. Um, and my 
you know, I, I, I completely, uh, my respect goes out to the people who are willing to take those kinds of leaps, but there's story after story of entrepreneurs who, you know, they look in the bank account and they're down to the last $15, right. And they're still sticking to it anyways. Hmm. So that's just a question of how much tolerance can you have over, um, you know, not getting the pleasures of life, uh, the, the mm. kind of, uh, the lattes and the cell phones and all those things have to go for a while. Um, and then I interviewed this, this friend of mine on my podcast. I have, I've been able to interview a handful of people that I know really well, and she's a PhD and she studies women who have been incarcerated and, um, she writes about the, you know, the prison systems and she's a political science a PhD at, at University of uh, Illinois here in Chicago. And I asked her that question uh, uh, live on the show. And, and she said, I said, you know, what, what about people who are in jail? Is this, is this something that they can think about? And she, she said, you know, when you strip away all of the external parts of life, it gets really real and they are making authentic choices every moment, mm-hmm. right? Because of the simplicity of their days, they're the, the choices they're making every single second become really real and honest and where they're coming from. And I absolutely think that 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 is an, an option is what she said. And that really struck me. So is authenticity and self-actualization in the outcome of the reward and the, the fame and the accolades? Like that's exactly what it's not. So mm. I think it's your ability to live day to day in your truth, um, whether or not that truth ends up being an artwork that is sold or a book that people care about or the business that, you know, grows exponentially. That's all the, that's all the, um, the success factor, uh, that has really little to do with the authentic piece. Yeah. And meaning, um, if you have meaning in your life and a sense of purpose, you don't need all those other trimmings. So I really, I'm just adding to yes. your response yes. that, you know, examples where people have walked away from so-called material success and all the external trappings because they're seeking greater meaning. And they might go off and do, you know, some fantastic philanthropic work or they might go off and do their artwork. They might go off and just go to the beach and just yoga and be, you know, whatever it is. So... I think it is about we can't define meaning for people. Um, it's up to find your own meaning. And Robin, I really like this is one of the, the things that I I feel is so important. If you can separate pleasure points from meaning, mm-hmm. then you have your answer. Um, not having the finances, not being able to buy the things you want, uh, you know, those things are fun. They're pleasurable. When you have meaning and purpose in your life, those things, to your point, become less and less important. Um, I find that I could care less about nine out of ten of my material goods at this point. Um, but those are pleasure points. I mean, everybody likes to have, you know, a good meal or have a vacation that's pleasurable. It's nice, but it doesn't fulfill you and it doesn't bring meaning <clears throat> or purpose. It just it's a fleeting two-minute thing. And that's where I think a lot of people get trapped is mm. they think of pleasure points as the benefit of hard work and success, but those things just come and go. Um, yeah. what you really want is meaning and purpose because that sustains like a, a, a solid beam in your life. Yeah. So those, you, you talk about them as points. Um, and I, I might say they're also events So there are certain events or certain experiences that you have, but they, they're not lasting, Mm-hmm. Um, so what is it that we're seeking that is something we can keep coming back to? And, 
you know, the, the metaphor of, you know, the compass, you know, having your your compass or your your star pointing north, whatever that expression is, you know, knowing exactly what it is that you stand for and what gives you a sense of meaning and purpose in life. Um, yes. And it, it, that's a journey in and of itself. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's not easy to find. And, and finding it um, is stressful and you start thinking, what am I doing? I could just be making money. I could just buy that house that I wanted. But again, like, you know, person after person after person goes down that path and comes up empty handed. And, you know, again, the ancient philosophers have said this for thousands of years. I don't think we've changed. It is absolutely nice to have a new car, but it is not what brings purpose. And then ultimately joy. Um, I think happiness, little points of happiness where you're smiling and you're happy, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like those come and go, but that long sustained calm sense of joy that Mm -hmm. like the, that your life is where you want it to be. You know, it's, it's just priceless. There's nothing else in the world more, more important. Mm -hmm. And one of my very favorite authors, um, in the positive psychology space, her name is Barbara Fredrickson. Um, she introduced a couple of Kind of things that have really changed my life, and I think not only mine, but a lot of people who study her work. Um, and one is the broaden and build theory of positive emotions, meaning that you know, and she, you know, she's one of the thought leaders on the the science and biology and the neuroscience as well of the effect of positive emotions on us as human beings. And so she talks about the board, broaden and build theory, which is when you when you can tap into your positive emotions and all the benefits that come from that, over time they build. So what does that mean? That you are really training your neurological and your physiological muscles to be able to grow that positivity resonance in your body so that you can you can be more resilient and you can address adverse situations when they come up at some time. The other one she talks about is micro moments of connection. And those micro moments of connection are when you, it's about human connection and that's what she calls love 2.0. So it's through those connection points that you make meaning, you make connection, you resonate with another human being. And it could be you might have a micro moment with yourself if you just take great joy. And, and the fact that you brought up joy is reminding me of this by savoring a sunset or a piece mm-hmm. of music. That is a micro moment of connection, which, which somehow just triggers, you know, what comes cursing through our bodies is that ability to really um, take stock of the importance of savoring that moment and, you know, appreciating what we have in life. They're priceless. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, I love, I haven't read Barbara, but I love all of that. And, you know, I, I have studied a certain amount of, uh, the neuroscience of it. And, you know, they say over and over, it, it, it's like a muscle. The more you use it, the, the better you get at, at it. And there's a series of books, um, mastery of love, mastery of self, And I just love these almost completely for their title. They're great books, but what are you mastering? Right. Mm -hmm. Is the question. Are you mastering fear? Are you mastering resentments? Are you becoming a master of anger? Because our brains light up and we create all these neural nets and these things become automatic. Right. And so 
try mastering compassion, right? Master love, master joy, master, um, you know, finding purpose in your life. Then those things start to become the mainstay of your life. And that's what builds a, you know, a positive experience over the long haul. Right. And you, it's, it's, it really is like hitting the gym. I mean, you know, the more you do it, the better you get at it. And it just, uh, it becomes an unconscious process. Mm -hmm. And that's so freeing, (laughs) freeing to know that the more you practice something, the better you're going to get at it. We know this in physical pursuits and we need to do it, you know, in emotional pursuits. And so, you know, coming back to your book, um, emotional obesity, um, it's, you know, let's free ourselves. Let's lighten ourselves with focusing on the things that give us greater joy and, and move us in the direction of where we know we have the capacity or want to be. So I'm, I would love for you to perhaps conclude with some, um, practices that mm-hmm. um, you might recommend for people to pay attention so that they can either, you know, can reconnect to authenticity, find it, or um, think about meaning and purpose. So what might you suggest, please, Laura? Absolutely. Um, here's the thing about authenticity, finding that voice. It's subtle. So the, the biggest challenge is that our brains, this beautiful, beautiful tool, this instrument that we have that allows us to interpret the entire world, to, to learn languages, to learn all this information, it's loud. It talks all the time, right? It's interpreting all the time. It's, it's just a big, big, big instrument. But our deeper self, it's, it's quiet. It's subtle. It's actually, the part of us that is pre-verbal, right? So that sense, that gut sense, that moment of awe when you're looking at nature, it's all of that stuff, right? You've all experienced it. Then we use language to communicate those experiences, right? And so my number one piece of advice is you've got to make space. You've got to make room for it because it won't compete with your brain. So if you're somebody who worries about approvals, worries about what other people are going to think. And it's like this really loud sense, you know, conversation in your head all the time. You're visually, you know, uh, feeling anxious about the dinner party you're going to go to where somebody won't approve of the outfit that you're wearing or whatever it is that your feelings are, are hurt by a a friend and, and you're repeating the argument over and over and over the truth, your deeper self is is underneath that. And so you need to learn how to create space. Mm. Um, I've interviewed 70 people on my podcast. I've asked them what an authentic life means and the people who are living in, in a really authentic way, time and time again, talk about journaling, going for a walk, Mm. uh, connecting back to themselves in some way through meditation, through a moment of silence in the evening, um, by listing what worked in their day, what didn't work in their day, but you've got to come up with something in your life where you can connect back to yourself, quiet the mind, check in. How do I really feel? And so my number one recommendation to anybody listening is start slow, right? Like, don't ask that question. What do I want to do with my whole career? You know, <laughs> my, my relationship, am I breaking up with my husband or my, um, getting married, whatever it is that's on your mind. Um, start with one day telling your truth and see if you can slow down and truly ask myself, you know, what do I need in this moment? 
What is my truth? You don't have to say it. You don't have to tell the person. You don't have to become rude. And, you know, truthfully, I don't like this person. Like, just admit to yourself, (laughs) this is not somebody I even want to be friends with. What is your truth? It doesn't mean you have to do anything with it or actualize it in the world. But that to me is... Um, it's a really hard practice to spend an entire day just being aware of what your deeper truth is. Yeah, beautiful. So, yeah, so what's waiting to emerge? What's waiting to be born, right? Um, very lovely. So um, this is podcast, my episode um, is This is 69. So if, you, um, if you're listening to this and you want to find the show notes on, on um, this particular episode with Laura Coe, go to positivitystrategist.com slash PS69 and there you'll find links to Laura and her work and there'll be a link to her book and, other, and her podcast, The Art of Authenticity and other goodies that we might come up with together. So Laura, in by way of um, ending now, I want to thank you again so much. It's been a very rich conversation for me. I've enjoyed it a lot. Thank you very much. I have as well. And if there's anything else you would like to say about how people might reach out to you or anything that you want to say about your work, um, please, um, here's your opportunity. Thank you. First of all, thank you so much for having me on. And to all the listeners out there, thank you for sharing this time with us. Um, I can be found at lauraco.com. Uh, my podcast, as she mentioned, The Art of Authenticity. And uh, you can find me all over the internet. I've done lots of articles, um, lots of uh, podcasts and press. Um, and yeah, I just appreciate the opportunity to talk to you today. Very good. All right, Laura. Well, thanks again. And I sh- hope we will keep in touch. Uh, absolutely. Thank you. So you can be notified of new episodes by email. Links to all these suggestions are available on positivitystrategist.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening. And remember, what you focus on grows. So grow towards your best.